Hi, everyone. Welcome to the We Shape podcast. Hey, girl. How's it going? It's going good. Yeah? Are yeah. you doing okay? I'm doing good. How many weeks pregnant are you now? Uh, we'll be 34 weeks pregnant tomorrow. Ooh. Every time I hear you say you're doing good, I'm like, really? <laughs> really? I mean, that's a, a lo- another p- podcast, I feel like, to talk it about all It is another things, podcast. But, but, yes, but I'm surviving. It's happening. We're doing it. One day at a time. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, well, I'm excited about our guest today. Me too. Uh, her name's Colleen Christensen. Uh, we're going to have a really good, she's a registered dietitian. We're going to talk a lot about food freedom. I love the concept around food freedom. And um, there's a lot of, we have a lot of people around uh, on food on the podcast because it's a really complicated topic. And I love to bring in as many perspectives as possible. And a lot of times when people join We Shape for the workouts, they're like, well, what am I doing about diet? And I'm like, oh God, that's a really loaded question. And I'm not <laughs> giving you any diet. Uh, go listen to the podcast. So um, but before we get started, last episode, I was talking about the rest deck mm. by, I feel terrible. I, I thought her name was Teresa Hershey. Her name is Trisha. I'm so Ooh. sorry. We're sorry, Trisha. Um, her Instagram is the nap ministry. You can find her on Instagram. She's incredible. Uh, she has a great book called rest is resistance. And she just came out with a deck that you so <laughs> kindly got me for my birthday. Like, you know me so well. I'm like, what's this? I'm like, <gasps> It's the Nap Ministry <laughs> Rest Deck. And so I'm really excited. I hide these all over our office. And um, I want to read one of them. Yeah, let's okay. do it. Well, I'm just going to pull a random one. Let's see what the universe wants to have <laughs> us today. Um, ooh. Okay. To rest in a capitalist world takes practice and meticulous care. Ooh. Uh, you don't need anyone's permission to rest. You don't need anyone's permission to resist. You don't need anyone's permission to disrupt. Offer yourself grace as you craft and experiment with your rest practice. Take your time. There is no need to rush. Liberation is a lifetime process. Should we just well, cancel the, the podcast? podcast today? <laughs> Damn, so all she's good. Go we'll go take a nap. <laughs> Highly recommend this deck. It just just little thoughts for the day. I'm a big fan of decks. So the Nat Ministry, Trisha Hershey. Thank you so much. Um, let's get started with our guest yes. today. I'm going to pass I'm over so the computer. This is going to be a good one. I just this person is someone I follow on my own personal Instagram, and I like love the way she brings like a ton of energy and fun and excitement around these topics, which are really challenging topics. So, anyway, today we have with us Colleen Christensen. She's a registered dietitian and a non-judgy educator, <laughs> here to free you from diet culture once and for all. Through her proven no-food rules approach to intuitive eating and nutrition, she has helped thousands all over the world break up with dieting, find balance with their eating, and make peace with their bodies. Gosh, if that isn't the goal. Colleen, we're so happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and chat. I have to say, it is kind of kismet that you guys just mentioned the nap ministry because I was on a walk before this and they, so I'm listening to the book um, Burnout. I'm 99% Mm. positive they just referenced that in the book. So I was like, oh my goodness, this is how in sync (laughs) we are, you guys. This is going to be like such a good combo, (laughs) I can tell. We're, we're oh, vibing. Yay. We're <laughs> vibing. Yes, yeah, she um, has phenomenal content and just brings such amazing perspective. But my favorite thing about her is her ability to give permission mm-hmm. to kind of like take back your own life and not subscribe to all of the toxic messages that sometimes come through our culture. Which like follows so greatly into what we're going to talk about today, right? Which is all these food rules that we yes. all subscribe to mm, and the how they're like made up by other people. They don't necessarily come into trusting with ourselves. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it's 
I'm excited. Yeah. It's going to be good. Well, let's start, Colleen. Why don't you tell us how you got into into your line of work? Like, give us a little give us a little journey of how you got to where you are today. Yes. So it's funny because what you see today, I mean, I am on Instagram doing these skits, talking about having no food rules. I never once imagined this being my career. Social media, let alone educating people on how to not have food rules. So essentially the work that I do today has all come out of my own struggles. I have struggled with a variety of eating disorders, disordered eating for so long. And it took me a long time to overcome that. And even as I had worked through that, I always thought that doing this work, helping others with disordered eating would hit too close to home. And I was like, I just think like, you know, I don't want it to trigger me or anything. But the more normal food became for me, I was like, I have to step in and be the person that I didn't have because I Mm. could have sidestepped so much. I mean, two steps forward, one step back. And it could, I could have found this place of food freedom and just peace with food so much faster and way less, you know, all over the place if I would have had someone to give me a little bit of education, help me be, be the guide that I needed. So that's kind of how I got in this line of work. I have a previous career. I worked in a very small um, clinic dealing with uh, inborn errors and metabolism, very, very rare genetic disorders. So I always say it's kind of funny. I have such an understanding of our, quite literally how each nutrient is metabolized, how the body actually functions. And I still preach for food freedom, like in intuitive eating and not having food rules mm. because that truly is the best way to nourish our body. Um, so yeah, never saw this as being my line of work, but it is just so fulfilling to be able to teach this stuff because oh, it's so good when you can get to this place where food is easy. And you warmed my heart when you said she just brings kind of like humor and just kind of a lightheartedness because that's my goal with the content that I create is I want it to be both fun, but also educational and engaging and for people to feel seen and sometimes say that feel stuff that we feel potentially shameful about, but we don't need to feel shameful about because we have been taught this stuff and so many of us struggle with it. I guess, long story short, I try to make kind of a taboo topic, less taboo, so we can all kind of move Mm. through it and get to this place that is hmm, just so good. You're nailing it. I mean, this might be a <laughs> yeah, great time, great a great time for you to ask about. Remember, you wanted to. Oh talk- well, one of my favorite skits that you did in the not so you know kind of recently, I guess, was like the almond mom stuff. Like, I just think the almond mom oh stuff. Tell is me so what amazing. it is. Yeah, what is I need to know. I would stuff. probably have to lean on Colleen for that, but like almond moms are something I think that was kind of born via TikTok. I'm assuming I'm not a huge TikTok user, but and it's like she just does a great job of being on trend and on topic, and again educational and very fun and making accessible information. <laughs> Like, what's an almond mom? You're right. It, I'm it afraid did. I might be one, so I'm scared to ask. <laughs> it did kind of spur on TikTok. So essentially, I, th- I think it spurred from, oh my gosh, what is her name? Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Uh, Hadid. What is her first name? 
Yolanda Hadid. Um, oh, so she has, gosh. Like, two the Hadid's daughters. mom. Yeah. yeah. And so it, I think it's Yolanda. Her, right. where she oh, yes. had told her, you know, daughter some diety advice. She says it got misconstrued, whatever. Moral of the story, it went viral. And this idea of an almond mom essentially like counting our almonds and, you know, being very just <laughs> diety. And I think when we were able to put a name to it, it was kind of like, it's, it's less of this abstract uh, idea of a mom, you know, having this diety thoughts. And I mean, honestly, and I never like to blame almond, quote unquote, almond moms, right. because they are also a victim of our society and culture. But I think when totally. you can put a name to where a lot of your learning of diet culture came from, it just was a more concrete thing for people to realize, oh, like I did actually learn this from somewhere. This isn't my fault. Right. And it just went viral and just kind of saying the things that we all heard when we were growing up, you know, just like counting the almonds or you shouldn't have this or, you know, we have to earn the, you know, the food, all of those things. And it's just, I feel like it makes you feel so many things because on one hand you're like, you feel this like gut punch of like, Oh my gosh, like, yes, I resonate with that. But then also there's like, <laughs> you can see it for what it is now. So it's a little comical. Um, I just feel like it elicits so many emotions. It does. And I know for me, like when you talk about food rules, I think people don't even always really know what food rules they subscribe to. Mm -hmm. And when I hear Almond Mom, I think about like a time in my life when I was attending. A, uh, we always like don't use the names of the brand stuff, but like Schmachmachers. <laughs> and they were like, if you're hungry. Nicely just... done, by the way. Thank you. That was, a, that was a good one, right? <laughs> um, they, they talked about like, you know, if, if you're hungry, have a handful of mm -hmm. almonds. And like that is an, a food rule that I don't Drink even. Drink a glass of water. I didn't even really think I like was still kind of walking around with, but like, oh, just have a little handful of nuts, but not too many nuts, you know. Like, and the food mm -hmm. rules always have two sides, right? It's do oh, this, yeah. but also don't do it that way, mm -hmm. you know. Like, eat oh white, God, eat this, so but don't pressure. eat too much of it. Mm -hmm. um, I thought an crazy. almond mom was gonna be like the crunchy granola mom. No, granola moms. That's a different thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's all, there's all kinds, kinds of moms. moms. Yeah. You, you know, one thing I wanted to say, Colleen, was something that you said in the very beginning that I just found so beautiful and something that I think a lot of people need to hear, which is, you know, a lot of people struggle to find like worth and meaning and purpose in what they do in their lives. And um, you had a very simple journey. It was uh, I have a, a personal issue that I'm trying to solve and you solved that problem and you shared it with the world. And I think if more people focused on, hey, what are the things in my life that I'm struggling with um, that I feel compelled to go uh, figure out and really master? And then how do I share that information with other people so they don't have to hit all these different failures and struggles and you know these different avenues and can have a more clear, concise journey um, towards this end result? Um, there'd be a lot more people in this world who would feel a lot more fulfilled and you know feel like they have a, a real purpose. So I just want to commend you in, in saying that and taking that journey. It's so important, I think, to learn, grow, and share. Um, you know, we were just talking about rules, though. Um, I'm so curious, you know, since you're the one who teaches this, what are the rules that you most often see people subscribe to that you're like, whoa, we got to tackle this one? There's so, there's so many. I mean, carbs have been demonized. Like, I feel like everyone is terrified mm. of carbohydrates. Um, that's definitely kind of a broad one. But I, I really think that the sneakiest food rule is the food morality rule. A lot of people will tell me, I don't have food rules, Colleen. I will eat something or um, I'm just being quote unquote healthy. And the food morality rule is saying I shouldn't eat this or it's bad. It's not, food rules aren't just 
what we do and do not allow ourselves to eat. It's truly our mindset about that food. If we think that food, you know, is bad, we shouldn't have it. That morality is a food rule in itself. So I think that's like one of the sneakiest ones. Um, and then just the determination of what we can and cannot eat. And it's funny because you had mentioned earlier in this talk of how just arbitrary these food rules are. And I think in terms of like times that we can eat or quantities of things that we can eat, a lot of times what I'll hear people tell me is, I don't even know where this came from. I just started following it. Like it, I can't eat breakfast mm. before X, Y, Z time. And we try to think back to like, where did that come <laughs> from? I have no idea. Sometimes, yes, there can be like a specific point, but it's just bananas how everyone's rules are always totally different too. And I think that just speaks to like, they're made up. Like people can have totally opposite rules. Um, and, the and they're constantly banana. changing too. The half a banana is always, always one. It's okay to eat a full banana. <laughs> Oh my. So here's where I, we, we've talked about this with registered dietitians on the podcast before, but I love to just get so many different perspectives on this because I can, I'm finally at a place in my life where I can go, okay, yeah, the half a banana, the counting the almond, like, okay, let's just, it's just wild that we thought that that was uh, emotionally healthy for us um, or physically for that matter. But this idea, so here's where I get stuck and I just want to like have complete honesty mm -hmm. here, yeah. even if judgment might come my way. I get stuck with like chemicals and foods because I don't want to say it's bad, but I'm also like, it's bad. I, <laughs> I'm just, rules really I'm also like, I, I'm a believer that, you know, like I'll give you an example. So like when I travel outside of the U S Whatever I eat, I tend to just feel better in my body, like just the physical reaction to the food. And I feel like in the U.S., we, we don't really value food quality. And and I think that we we've the food system has sort of combined with our capitalistic uh, culture. And so it's like it's, it's more of a profit driven uh, center versus like, OK, like how are we how are we growing the food? How are we caring for the food? How do we value the food? And so I get stuck in the morality part, I don't want to have judgment, but I want to have a new perspective on how I look at all the chemicals that they put in food. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, and no judgment, no judgment <laughs> by, by any way, shape or form. I love these conversations. And I think that one thing that I feel like draws people to me specifically is my focus on the idea of gentle nutrition. I care about yes food freedom but I also care about the way that you feel your body and allowing you to feel good and that's going to look different for every person so in terms of chemicals I always just like to remind people that all food is made up of chemicals if you see like the chemical breakdown of a strawberry like it's gonna look kind of scary so just reminding people that just you know what we see on a nutrition label doesn't necessarily mean it's bad but I do think that there and it's funny I just posted a reel about this a couple of days ago it's okay if you want to eat more quote-unquote whole foods it's okay if you prefer not to have chemicals or you know these dyes or whatever it is in your food that's okay the issue I feel like comes into where we feel guilt, stress, or anxiety 
if we have those mm. things in our food or if we feel shameful or less than because I think that one thing that I always like to remind people is that it can be a privilege to be able to have access to some of those things. And for some people, they might Absolutely. only have access to the Fruit Loops. And that that's still a super great source of nutrients for the body. And that's okay. So I think I always say there's a difference between a food rule and a food preference to where I would prefer to eat whole mm. foods for the most part, I do eat pretty much, you know, those whole foods, but there's not that guilt, shame, or anxiety. If I'm, you know, oh my gosh, we have nothing in the house. I just have to eat something processed or we have to stop at McDonald's or something like that. And that's where having no food rules is truly individualized. And it's going to look different for every single person. Um, does that answer your question a little bit? Am I getting in the right it direction? It does. And I think what's difficult, it is. And and here's where I think it gets complicated is just this idea. Like, for instance, um, there are so many things that we put in our food in the United States that are illegal in other countries, right? So to me, it's also like, how do we advocate for a better value system without judging that? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? I'm like, I, 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 I care about the things that our culture like has value on and like, how do we take better take care of each other through the lens of nutrition? Mm -hmm. And so I, I never know how to navigate that because I'm like, there are many, many things like aspartame, for example, is illegal in many other countries. Like, and, and so I'm like, do we just like discredit that that research that we know about that do we just say oh that research is ever evolving and changing i i just like i don't know how to have advocacy for hey let's let's have different value systems here and, and not put these chemicals in the food because then i feel like when i say that that's judgmental mm -hmm. yeah so i would say in terms of having things banned in other countries it doesn't mean that they're unsafe so there's so many different reasons. I mean, politics, different ways people read studies that can say, you know, it's not allowed in one country, but it is in another. It doesn't mean it's, you know, going to make you sick if you ingest it. I would highly recommend Food Science Babe. Her name is Erin. Um, I don't know if you've Ooh, ever talked about stand. her for that topic. She talks about that a lot. Um, and it can explain more on that. But just kind of, again, being cautious. I know on social media, we always see like, this is allowed in the US, but this isn't allowed in the other. There's so much, I mean, there that people aren't understanding totally, but we see this Instagram graphic and it's like, oh, that's convincing. Um, and we automatically think, right. oh my gosh, my ketchup is literally causing me to die. When that's not the case, <laughs> we do have a lot of regulation as well. But that, again, doesn't mean that someone could say, you know what, I prefer not to eat that stuff. Totally fine. And the way that I kind of sometimes think about our food is, is made a lot of times to be hyper palatable. And I think that a lot of people right. think that it is like to make us want to buy more. And a lot of times it, it probably is. That doesn't mean you can't understand and learn how to eat those foods in quote unquote moderation or a way that your body, it makes your body feel good. I was actually thinking about this the other day and I feel like it's almost like saying you should make your books less good. So I don't want to stay up and read them all night, or you should make your puppy <laughs> uglier. So I don't want to just sit there and cuddle it. Um, 
(laughs) not like that's not comparing like apples to apples but you know what I mean like I like to think like yes we want things to be pleasurable um but it's I mean there's so much nuance to that to that conversation um and yeah it's a big thing to try to change right our the food system but one thing what we can change and that doesn't mean we shouldn't you know legislate and you know advocate for ourselves but what can we do in the moment to help ourselves navigate that how can we learn to enjoy those things that we can enjoy but just like sometimes we decide okay my body needs sleep i'm gonna shut the book you know that's enough for tonight we can learn to kind of like do the same thing with those hyper palatable foods hey there if you're enjoying the we shape podcast and you've heard us talk about we shape before then you're probably thinking to yourself hey what is we shape well at we shape we create personalized at home workouts for every single one of our members these are workouts where every single movement is customized to you to help you connect with your body and care for your body in a much more meaningful way We also have a community of people there to support you, to help uplift you as you examine your beliefs, set new intentions, and again, start showing up for yourself as an act of self-care rather than trying to do your workouts as an act of self-judgment. And hey, if you're a fan of the podcast, we also do a live podcast discussion group on Zoom, as well as other Q&As, as well as free challenges for all of our members to help you get motivated to actually start taking action to caring for yourself so you can feel better in your body and about your body. So if you want to try WeShape for free for two full weeks, go to WeShape.com backslash podcast and you can get started today. You, you touched on something huge there, which is we live in this society that, that gathers information and sound bites and headlines and clips that are often being distributed by people who are you know armchair experts and just kind of generalists in, in a particular theme who got their information from someone who's a little deeper, who got their information from someone who's a little deep, bit deeper. So mm-hmm. in my mind, it's a lot of times it's like playing telephone from the person who is an absolute specialist who is doing the deepest research on this to you know 20 tiers up and then you get a headline that says, all carbs are bad and it'll kill you. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh my God. Like, But there's so many nuances to that conversation that aren't being reflected in that short form content. So And I deeply, I mean, I hear you and I, and this this is where I struggle because it does cause me stress and I don't want it to. So a perfect example of this is gluten in our home, right? Like Tyler and I used to run a different fitness company. We were down the rabbit hole of toxic weight loss culture and uh, we were not eating gluten. And so I, for eight years I didn't eat gluten. And the truth is I don't really have a reaction to it. So <laughs> I was like, I was like, wait a minute, this is insane. So I eat gluten now. So this is not about me trying to advocate for that. But during that time, I did read a lot of literature around how they are producing wheat in our country and how like like there was a lot of science to to support this idea that like maybe we should think more about this. And I'm not saying we should do something about it, but maybe we should be aware that this is how it goes. Right. And, um, we, you know, you're very sensitive to that. I don't know if you even like maybe you should be tested for celiac disease because you get really ill when you have it. But then when we went to Italy, you were pretty much fine. And so I'm uh, pretty much fine. I don't know. I had you a said you blistering headache for eight bad. days <laughs> and then it went away and I got to eat pasta and pizza for the rest of the time we were there. I'm just saying that, like, what do we do when someone has uh, spent time in the science and the research and then says, like, this is what we know about this particular food and how it's processed. And like, we know that some people react this way. Like, how do I take that information and say, thank you for the information and then just 
Well, is it some just, people react, it, but not all people react. Is it like, just, you said something powerful earlier. You said, like, don't have rules, have preferences, right? And so, like, everybody needs to have their own autonomous journey in this where they say, like, oh, I'm listening to my body. This makes me feel good. This makes me feel bad. And I'm going to kick my heels up here, and I'm willing to go there with it. So, I mean, is that kind of the way you view it is, is just obviously giving everybody permission to have freedom of what they decide it is? Yes. I think one super important thing I just want to point out with studies is that there was one that I was dissecting relatively recently about cheese being addictive. It releases certain opiates, opiate like receptors in our brain and whatnot. But the thing with a lot, there's a couple things with studies. So we want to always look at like the actual methods that are being done because yes, what they had said in kind of the just like conclusion of it made if you were to read that you'd be like i'm never touching cheese again but when you actually got into like the <laughs> methods of the research they had to inject part of the cheese protein into rats brains in order to elicit that effect so not oh only goodness. was it not in humans <laughs> it was in unrealistic doses and it wasn't through our gut, it was directly into the brain. So there was a lot of flaws oh with God. that study. Very different so, outcome. I, I, yeah. in, so I inject cheese just, into I'm my brain in high doses <laughs> all the time. I'm not discrediting <laughs> any studies. I'm always just saying, be skeptical. Like I spend so much time reading. It's not fun to do, um, but it's always kind of an important part to do. Um, so I would just kind of like always be aware of that. And then the, just like you said, there's so much nuance. And one other thing I like to point out with research studies is the difference between correlation and causation. If someone is saying like mm, yeah. eating processed food makes you have a heart attack, right? Well, are you looking at all of the factors of that person? If they are heavily relying on processed food, do they also move their body? Do they also get enough sleep? How is their, you know, mental health, their stress levels, all of those things. Um, so it's like so much more dynamic. And I always also use weight loss where people will say, oh, someone lost weight and their health improved. Okay. Was it the actual weight loss that caused it? Or were they also including more fruits and vegetables? Mm -hmm. Were they also moving their body? And weight loss was just kind of a byproduct of that that happened. But what actually is causing the outcome is all of these other things. So that's just something I always caution people when we see like, oh, if people eat, you know, fast food, then they get heart disease. It's like, okay, well, how often are they eating it? What is their other lifestyle factors? Like if someone's relying on fast food, they're probably, maybe they are go, go, go. They don't have time to do self-care, sleep, move their body. Um, there's so many different things to, to think about there. Yeah, you're, can I you're, mention one thing about yeah. studies too? Just, I, just while we're talking about the caution of it, I think something that I always am aware of is like when we talk about an average, right? Let's pretend the average in the study is zero to 100. And they're like, well, this happens average, it's 50. Well, if they have a thousand people in the study, there's people at the zero, there's people at the hundred, there's people at the 20, there's people at the 60, right? It's not like everyone is at the midline of this particular study. So I think that when we say average, it's such a huge misnomer because average means that there's someone all across the entire spectrum and you land at one of those points. But if we bring everybody together and we analyze the data, we say this is the actual average, which is just, it's, frankly, it's kind of bullshit at the end of the day. Yeah, I think what you're you're helping me a lot with this because i really have given up a lot of food rules and i've moved away from like 
the morality of food in a lot of ways. But I do get stuck sometimes in the like, well, I don't really want to have aspartame all day. Like I've done some we reading on that. To. And <laughs> and like so like you're giving me perspective on like it, it's a preference, not a rule. And then I can offer that, you know, because I think what I'm thinking about, too, is like the educational piece. Mm -hmm. Like, how do we get education on different nutrients without judgment so that we can make decisions that work for us? And then I think the so that's kind of the other piece I'm thinking about is like, I want to I want to just trying to say, how do I classify something that's bad as bad without making it bad? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But but I want to understand. Right. Like, you know, I, I do want to understand the implications of my decisions. But I also feel like that in itself causes stress. And what I hear you saying and what I think about sometimes, too, is for us to be able to replicate thousands of factors in one person that contributes or affects their health is virtually impossible because not one person's the same. And so to to draw any sort of ca like causation is impossible. And like even to draw super draw super strong correlations, like there's so many variables, right? And we had Chris Kresser on the podcast recently who does a lot of research on health and nutrition, but also brought such a wonderful perspective around like, do you have joy in your life? Do you listen to music? Do you go on hot hikes? Do, do you, you pet your you, dog? Do you pet your dog? Like, <laughs> like so it's it's virtually like it, it is even the 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 studies that have strong correlations to various nutritional choices and outcomes. Uh, it's really, really probably still hard to say, like, what else is going on, right? Like, does this person wake up and, and have a slow morning and meditate and enjoy their day? Or is this person under a ton of – like, these are factors that are, like, they, each person would have to, like, truthfully answer a 10,000-page questionnaire about all of the different yeah. factors. Oh, what happened in your childhood? Oh, are you in therapy? Like, there's too many factors That's is what I hear you saying. Studies is a lot of these studies are done via questionnaires of people's reflection of themselves, which I don't think is all that accurate a lot of the time, especially when it's asking what was it like 20 years ago and 10 years ago sure. right so I don't know. but you're helping me because I do want to take basically what I hear you saying is take the information that you read with a grain of salt if you really care about it do a little bit more digging mm -hmm. and then um, maybe just let it go and categorize it as a preference and just move on from there mm -hmm. yes you nailed it and I honestly think you just made a fabulous case for having no food rules because we're all so different. And if we try to follow the set advice that someone else gives us, I even tell people, I'm not going to tell you exactly what to eat. I'm a registered dietitian, but I don't know how is, how are these foods going to make your tummy feel? What makes you feel the most energized? What foods do you enjoy the most? Cause that matters too. And I think that we just have to kind of assess what matters the most to us in terms of our beliefs, what makes us feel good. And we, it's, it's almost kind of like picking and choosing your battles. Like there's so many things that people can tell us to focus on, but it's like, but what matters to you? What it could also be like, what foods do you eat the most? Okay. Maybe those ones are the ones that I'm going to do a little bit more digging into, or I'm going to be more mindful of. Um, everyone's just, it's just so different. Um, and that's why it's so important to learn to have that reflective process, which is what having no food rules is all about to be able to understand, okay, these are the things where my energy makes the most sense for me to put. And these are the things mm. where I don't really enjoy that that much, or I don't have it that often. So I'm really not going to worry too much about that. It's really kind of deciding, like you said, what kind of matters the most. And then it's really, I think, gaining confidence in ourselves that I can make a decision. I can decide that this is my preference 
without having to look to someone else to kind of like validate that. And that's hard, but the more that you start to tune into your body, you kind of like gain that confidence. I have a question for you. <clears throat> We've been yeah. kind of on an intuitive eating journey for the last bit here. And that's something you talk about with no food rules. And for me, my experience of that was like, I walked into the grocery store and I bought things like that I was not allowed to have, you know, like it was almost like an unsupervised kid in a candy store. Like I was like, I'm going to go down the aisle in the middle and I'm going to buy the peanut butter that has the sugar in it. And I'm going to, all the stuff I had told myself, again, these rules I've subscribed to over years and years and years of people giving me information and being the authority where I wasn't like leaning into my own self. And I bought all the stuff and I ate all the things and I had like, it's the greatest time. And then I kind of, you know, over time, I've been fortunate enough to kind of reach a more balanced place by being like, wow, yes, it was so cool to like let that pendulum swing all the way to the left and like have donuts for breakfast or whatever uh, it is for you. Um, and then there was a place where I was like, I don't really want the like super treaty food right now. Like I really do actually create, and like I hate saying this because it sounds like so fake, but like I really crave a salad. I really want something that's green. I really want whatever. And um, that's like been my experience. But um, do you think that that happens for everybody and if you do like is it just part of the process is there a way to get a little bit closer to hey I'm gonna let go of these food rules but I'm not gonna like I don't want to use the term fall off the wagon but like you know go super hard yeah <laughs> in the treat like I'm just gonna eat whatever sounds good whatever is palatable etc because nutrition is a part of this you're a registered mm -hmm. dietitian like there are nutrients in food they do different things for our body um how does that kind of all ha happen for you yes so I did the same thing I was very restrictive and then I swung to the other end of the pendulum. I was like, we're done with this. And I think that that <laughs> is a very normalized and that is one way you can do it. For me, it put me in a cycle of then just binge eating. And honestly, I felt worse with right. that. And I didn't know how to find this balance again. I was like, I don't want to go back to restriction. I feel like now I'm just eating all the things like it's a lose-lose situation to me right now because I couldn't figure totally. out how to find that balance. And so what I did, and this is now what I teach, is a much more structured approach to it because going, just jumping right into the deep end, it is typically too overwhelming for most people. Yes, that is one way to approach it, but it's not the only way to go about it. So the way that I teach, I talk first about do it, undoing a lot of the damage that dieting has caused to our metabolism, to our hunger cues, and focusing on that first before we go stock our pantries, before we do all of this stuff. Because for me, I talk about what I call the chocolate cake incident. I sat down, I was like, <laughs> I'm going to have a slice of this chocolate cake. It's going to be great. There are no food rules. And I ate the whole cake. And in the moment, I was like, okay, this is just part of the process. This is like, fine, I'll do better next time. And it just kept happening. And what I realized was that if I have no sense of my hunger and fullness cues, how do I expect myself to stop eating the cake when I'm satisfied? So I teach mm. first starting with that. And then it prevents going from such going to such an extreme on the pendulum. Um, the structured approach, some people don't like that. Some people are like, I don't want to do it. I just want to, you know, eat all the things. And that is valid. Um, and I think that that just shows there's so much more nuance with how to go about this. Um, and I would also really encourage anyone who may have said, like, I've tried to just go stock my pantry and I just ate all the stuff. And that felt worse than being on a diet. Don't give up. 
there's nuance to this. Everyone is so different. Maybe you try more baby steps and seeing if that works. I, cause I almost gave up at that. I was like, you know what? I'm just, I, I would rather just go back to having my food rolls, but sometimes just trying something in a new way um, can be helpful. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that's really helpful. Okay. You, you touched on something big there that I was going to kind of ask anyways, which was, you know, I feel like in my own journey, um, you know, struggling with my own food rules and, and you know, uh, you know, I guess I say I have an addictive personality, right, is, you know, when we Me give too. ourselves the freedom <laughs> to do things. Yeah. Yeah. When we give ourselves the freedom to do things like have no food rules and then we go after eating foods and things like that, it's really difficult to toe the line between this is my intuition and this is my attempt at stuffing down some feelings and, and using food as a tool to provide that. And I'm hearing you say that what you're trying to do is teach people the sensations of the body so that they have a deeper sense of like, where is this coming from and how does this make me feel and stuff like that, which is great. But how do you help people really build that awareness between the difference between those two things? Between emotion and like actually wanting the food? Yeah, yeah. Like, so if I just crave cake and I just, if I just lean into my cravings, am I leaning into my cravings because I'm trying to facilitate what my body needs or am I leaning into my cravings because I'm trying to escape some pain and I'm using that as a tool? Yes. So I think the biggest thing that you can do is just be present in that moment and ask yourself, what is this food doing for me? And asking yourself, like, first of all, am I tasting this food? Half the time when we're using food as a coping mechanism and to kind of escape, when you ask yourself, like, do I enjoy this? Does this taste good? And you actually taste the food. It's like, I mean, if it's ice cream, it probably tastes good. But it like, does it taste as amazing as you're making it out to be in your head? Um, so I think that's like the first <laughs> thing to tune into. But then kind of, again, just asking yourself, what am I expecting this food to do? Am I expecting this food to be a source of enjoyment? Okay, is it doing that? If I'm not present, it's probably not bringing me actually that much joy. So what is bringing me the joy? Is it tuning out? Is it just like having not having to think mm. about my problems for a little bit? Is there a just way the that I could mm. do that and have a more comfortable outcome? Because I always say when it comes to trying to escape things, food, it can be a pick-me-up, absolutely. But when we eat the whole pan of brownies and then we have a stomach ache, we're kind of left with two crummy situations. We've still got our emotions that we haven't actually handled. And now we've got a tummy ache. So it's kind of like just asking <laughs> yourself in the end, is this a beneficial scenario? Sometimes eating the cookie for, you know, a pick me up, totally beneficial eating the whole pan, maybe the outcome, not so much. Um, so I think it's just kind of like awareness of the why and then the actual eating process. Mm, I love that. That was answer. super helpful. That, that was, was incredibly helpful. <laughs> We're all like, great. Thank you for that homework. Uh, we'll be taking that home and uh, working on that in our spare time. We'll all be talking to our chocolate cakes at night. <laughs> Why am I eating you right now? Tell me. <laughs> That's so, yeah. I mean, it's true though, because... I think that just pause. I mean, that that can be true with anything, with really. Anything. Pause yeah. and yeah. what's your intention? Yeah. Why? Why yeah. am I? Why am I doing this? I know. I love to just eat when I'm like bored. It's a fun mm -hmm. activity. It gives you something I to do. And maybe like, that's okay sometimes. Yeah. I, and I know that about myself. So I procrastinate. I'm aware, I'm aware <laughs> of it. Sometimes I'm like, 
I don't really feel like getting back to work. I've had breakfast. Uh, am I hungry? Okay, I could have a little bit more peanut butter. <laughs> and I think that is just like, that also shows you, it's not that we're never going to have these issues. Like, we just learn, okay, I know that about myself. Now I know how to navigate it. I know that, do you actually want the peanut butter, Colleen, or are you just trying not to get back to work? And we're, the more that you practice it, you're <laughs> able to do that without judgment and just be like, oh, I see you. Okay. I love that. Going just one layer deeper, like how do you help people deal with the shame around admitting that they've built the awareness that they're doing this to escape their pain? Mm -hmm. Yes. I think that it's such an internalized thing. And I think I talk about brain rewiring. I mean, there's so much, I think just like our neuroscience is just fascinating on how we can literally create new neuropathways in our brain of the way that we think. And sometimes it's just understanding that like, just because you have a thought doesn't mean that that is true. It's almost like our thoughts are, someone recently used this analogy that our thoughts are like people on a bus with you. You get to decide if you engage with those people, if you get up and move seats, if you just get off the bus altogether. They're not always, and they also don't always stem from you. So asking yourself like, oh, I feel guilty that I'm doing this. Do I need to feel guilty? Or is that something that I have been taught that, you know, eating when you're not hungry, you should feel shameful for that. You should feel bad for that. And I always say shame is not a good way to create change, right? It just makes us want to like turn into kids and just like have a little hissy fit and just kind of like rebel. So what if you just said, mm. you know what, oh, it's yeah. okay that this is happening, but I'm a human being. This happens to a lot of people and I can decide what I do now, what is going to serve me the most in this moment and trying to approach it in a different way with some compassion and just see how it feels. Maybe just do that as an experiment one time and see, okay, I'm going to take what Colleen said and I'm going to talk to myself like a friend. I'm going to be kind to myself. Do I have a more beneficial outcome? Does that feel better? Just give it a try and see what happens. You might like it. That's beautiful. I love what you said about the mind too, because, um, you know, the heart beats, that's what it does. The mind thinks that's what it mm -hmm. does. And we don't have to believe everything that we think. And that's such an important thing for people to recognize, you know, when we feel mm -hmm. something, what's the belief behind that? What is it serving us? How, you know, is there a better belief that would serve us m more effectively? And I think mm -hmm. that that's a challenging process, but you know, you spoke to neuroscience and the ability to just do things repetitiously over and over again until a new pattern forms. And I think that's just a, a miracle of, of being human. It just takes a lot of patience and, and persistence. I, and I want to say that I think that there's this, this idea as well. I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but I want to say this, that when our brain does, does these, these tricks, we're on the bus, we got stuck next to the thought we don't want to be next to. I think we often think that we have to figure it out ourselves. And I don't think that we necessarily do. I think that this is the time, and this is why we have community at WeShape, right? Is that it's okay to say, my thoughts are taking over, I'm feeling too much shame, I'm in an emotional eating pattern I can't get out of, I'm unhappy, I need to reach outside of myself, I don't need to figure it all out by myself. And I just think that like, you know, 
having you as a resource. There's many people on social media that are doing amazing things. There's my, there's so many things that we can reach for. And so I just want to give people that permission because I know for a long time there was a lot of suffering that I was going through that I was like, oh, you'll just have to figure this out and go read another book. <laughs> and it's like, no, but like sometimes it's okay to say I don't know the answer and I want help from somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so it just brings me back to like really wanting to extend gratitude for the work that you're doing because it's okay if we get stuck in these patterns and it's okay to reach outside of our own mind to try to seek support to, to help with some of those things. So, And the truth is there's a lot of people out there who have stumbled and <laughs> fallen and just hit every single wall along the way and can say, hey, let me show you all the failures that I had or all the mistakes that I made so you don't make them and then you can have a little bit more of a smooth and effective journey. I think or it's know one that of the when best you ways to learn. do make those mistakes that it's maybe part of the process. Yeah, or it's part of the process. That you're still going in the right direction and yeah. that it's okay to like stumble and fall and try again. I love what you said about trying again because sometimes when I think about intuitive eating, we're like, is this the next new diet? Is this the next new thing that's going to fix us or whatever? And it's like, how do we tap in? How do we trust? How do we try again? How do we just keep going forward showing up yeah. yeah because I think when we're talking about shame and those thoughts it's like those are the things that want to keep the silence inside those are the things that but that uh, don't allow that humility to come out and say like I want I, I need to ha understand a better way mm -hmm. so it's just like I just want to constantly offer people permission that there is a huge community of people they're available and we can all support each other in in breaking some of these belief systems in trying something new and offering no judgment and and we're just all doing the best that we can right so i just want to thank you so much colleen for your time for the work that you're doing and i'd love for you to share where people can find you if they're feeling stuck themselves and they want to have someone like you who's a professional who can offer them more support where can they find you yeah so you can find me on instagram i'm most active there at no.b.rules you can also find me on TikTok. I'm on YouTube as Colleen Christensen. Um, you can find me on my blog. I do think that when we were talking about like what's a food rule and what's a food preference, usually in my Instagram bio, I have a link to a quiz that you can take. So if there's a, we've been talking about this, mm. if we're like, I think I have a food rule. I'm not sure if this is a food preference. It could be a really great resource. Um, just kind of spurred, spurred in my mind. Definitely, if you guys are listening, check that out. And again, we're so grateful for the work you're doing, Colleen. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope to talk with you again. Thanks, yes, Colleen. Thank you so much. It was fabulous. I could talk to you guys all day. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's show. Now, before you go, it would mean a lot to us if you could take a moment right now to subscribe to the podcast and then leave us a review. This helps spread the word so more people can feel lighter by shedding one belief at a time. Also, we want to hear from you. So if this episode impacted you or you have any questions that you think would be great for us or any of our future guests, please feel free to email us at podcast at weshape.com. And finally, if you want to try WeShape's different approach to health and fitness, remember that right now you can sign up for WeShape's Feel Good Challenge and get access to everything WeShape has to offer for free. Just click the link in our podcast description or go to weshape.com slash challenge to sign up.